Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I uh, record these interviews for an audience of entrepreneurs, and joining me is one of the listeners, somebody who's listened to my podcast, and I'm very honored to know that he has because, boy, this guy has had so much success in his life, and I've invited him here to talk about his latest business, which is doing well. And the thing that I'm especially curious about and excited about with Anthony Weljamud is his current business, Zyflow, is very similar to his previous business. And I've often wondered, Anthony, I'll, t- I'll bring you in here to say this, why is it that more entrepreneurs don't do that? And maybe it's just my personality. I like to just keep working on a thing and getting better and better at it. I don't start running one year and then the next year take up basketball and just when I'm getting good at basketball, take up skiing. I want to keep repeating and and getting better. And it, what I've seen you do after selling a previous company in this space and now building Zyflow is just get better. And I want to find out about that, but I also want to take an honest look at it and see what are, what are the challenges that you're seeing? Does it get boring? Does it feel like maybe you're repetitive? I don't know. Anyway, I invited Anthony on here to talk about his latest business, Zyflow. And to understand what they do, you have to have had any kind of video or artistic collaboration. And I know I have. In fact, for my, for my book, which is called Stop Asking Questions, I needed to record a video where I was being interviewed and I wanted to be edited well. So I found a guy who's a great editor, there was one mistake. And in order to tell him what that mistake was, I said, can you fast forward to minute three, 14 seconds in, and notice that there's this thing on the screen that needs to be adjusted. And we went back and forth a few times. It was so frustrating where in Google Doc, I can just highlight the section and say, this is what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's what Zyflow is here to solve. They're here to make it easier for um, creative teams to collaborate. And when you when you see how Zyflow works by just going over to their website, you'll understand immediately why their customers love them and why the business is doing well. And I could talk to him about this business thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, the company he and I are both familiar with. It is called Lemon for hiring developers. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. And the second is one that's um, not exactly yet a sponsor. This is going to be me introducing them to you as an upcoming sponsor. It's a way to invest in artistic work. It's called Masterworks, and I'll tell you later why you should go to masterworks.art slash Mixergy if you want to have this opportunity to to invest. But first, Anthony, good to have you here. Yeah, great. Thanks, Andre. Thanks for having me. You know, I want to jump in time for a moment to Proof HQ. Do you remember the day that you sold that business? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, We Uh remember the day vividly getting the offer that that we accepted verbally, and also the day that um that the cell went through uh but we, we were actually in poland on the day that it went through i remember still being in the hotel room etc so yeah wow and how did you know what was it that did a doc come in did money go into your account yeah i mean so uh firstly the firstly the uh, docs came in and then yeah i mean <laughs> i'll be honest it is yeah money money landing in in, in your account is obviously wow. the one thing where that that's when you know the deal's closed. Uh, before that, you know, no, no, nothing's closed until the money lands. And Proof was a previous company, also collaboration software for creative teams. Did you take any outside funding for it? We were bootstrapped, actually. Um, so Matt, my co-founder now, he was CEO. Uh, he he initially founded uh, Proof HQ, and I joined him just a couple of years later. And we both said, yeah, we want to bootstrap this business. And uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, doing it that that way. What was the hardest time as a bootstrapper? And I understand that partially looking for funding is what led you to sell the business. But what was the hardest time? Um, I think 
getting the external advice. So it's very much you and, and yourself and your team, um, but there's a lot that goes out in, on in the market. And if you have a board, you know, we, we didn't have a board as such. So we did find an advisor, someone from OpenView, um, who, who joined us as, as an advisor eventually, and that helped a lot. But getting that, that outside advice is, is very, very useful. I know what you mean. I noticed that people don't really brag about the money that they get from the first seed investors. What they're proud of is that they now had somebody else whose success rested on their shoulders, who could help them get there, who had some experience and, and, and everything that went along with it. Was there a period there where you were close to, uh, to, to running out of money or anything? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like you were bootstrappers who were profitable, who had a solid business. You just weren't like maybe reaching the potential that you wanted on your own as easily as you could have. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we were, we had prioritized growth and, you know, with most SaaS businesses, if you want to keep that growth rate, you know, 80, hundred percent, you know, as you go through that 10 million ARR mark, there's a point, there's a tipping point where you need, I think the additional funding to, to keep that growth rate up. And that's, that was sort of one of the, the, the decision points we had. Um, but before that, I mean, we had some venture debt, so that, you know, we were lucky. I mean, we were one of the early uh, SaaS capital um, customers. That was a great facility for us at the time. And it came at a perfect time for us. So we we were still burning some cash during that time. So I wouldn't say we were we were actually in, in profit, but we we were very efficient um, with, with our capital. Um, so we learned a lot from that. You told our producer what you sold it for. I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing it here. Since you told her in private, I'll keep it private, but what do you feel comfortable saying about how much the business was sold for? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's a bit of a tricky one to, to, um, to make public um, just because it's myself and my co-founder that, uh, that I went through that. But uh, what I would say is um, you know, it, was a good, it was a good exit at the time. Um, probably if we hung on for another two years, we could have doubled our multiple on, on the revenue just with how the markets went, but you, you just never know. What was the uh, revenue at the happen. time of sale? Uh, we were just shy of 10 million ARR. Okay. Yeah. Impressive business. Then after that, you and Matt were thinking through different ideas. One of them was some kind of backup idea. Yeah. So that's, that was a one I sort of uh, pitched to Matt saying, um, you know, I, I was CTO tech, tech background, engineering background. And, my feeling was, oh, yeah, just working with customers at PreFetchQ, they would make mistakes and they'd want to roll back some data or find out what happened. So we had very extensive audit trails in PreFetchQ, exactly what happened, what changed. So I said to Matt, what if we developed a system that could back up SaaS cloud data, but literally like from a user's perspective, say if you're in monday.com or, or, or Salesforce and yep. you can back up the data, to, you take snapshots. Um, so yeah, we sort of... Uh, went through that was that was one of the ideas and we sort of parked that um so yeah but we can see now how well own backups doing how well is own backup doing i'm on their site right now but i don't know the business yeah i mean uh sam sam gutman stepped in as ceo um so it was it i think it was two or three founders initially and they um started that business i think they launched in 2015 uh just as we also sold proof hq at the time and um yeah they worth a few billion now um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they raised, uh, I, I haven't checked in a while. $490 sure million dollars in venture funding. Yeah. So growing super quick. Yeah. So 
I wonder how you were thinking through what the next business idea would be. Was there criteria? Was there stuff that you did right in the past that you wanted to reproduce, things that you wish you'd done that you wanted to do differently? What, how were you thinking about what to start? Yeah, it's so the one thing that, that we sort of, uh, I think, worked out or figured out is we knew this marketing creative space quite well and, and just naturally, um, you know, looked in that area for inefficiencies. And, and one of them was there was um, an on-premise system called Zynet, uh, quite, quite popular with, uh, with uh, teams, um, you know, for work in progress assets and, and automation. And we said, what if we could do some of that in the cloud? So it's a bit of like Zapier, but for marketing teams and automating tasks and so on. So we said, we'll connect with Dropbox, connect with Google Drive, and then just, you know, transform files and move them around. But it was very much in, you know, looking in areas that we know well. So I was probably looking more on the tech side. And then we also had the sort of creative marketing side as well uh, in our experience looking for ideas there. Meaning it was, what space do you know? You know, creative, you know, SaaS for businesses. You're not going to go into consumer uh, photo sharing apps or anything that's not similar. Okay. And then um, you hit on the original idea. What what was it exactly? I, I've got screenshots of it and I understand what how it worked, but I'm trying to understand what was it trying to do? What's the problem it was trying to solve? Yeah, I mean, if you're going large-scale uh teams that that are that, that are creating content and, and you know large volumes of those um there's there, there's a lot of admin around so you have to move these files around so if it's work in progress it lives in one folder then before it'll go through qa it's got to be you know you'll do a, a pre-check a pre-flight maybe on pdfs videos might be checked um you know some automation software to check it and then there's some transformation of these files so now they have to share these files out for feedback and often they'll transform them lower the resolutions or whatever. So we wanted to take care of those tasks, but more in the cloud. So you don't have to have it on-prem. Got it. Just that whole automation of all the stuff that people have to do manually, you're going to automate for them. That makes sense. You save them time. I guess there's not a savings of money really, right? But it's... It's it's a time, yeah. It's more of a, uh, if we have to use the word efficiency, mm-hmm. um, we, we, we actually try and uh, not, not use that word because it's such a broad term but yeah it's it's just trying to it's really i mean it was we were looking at um just what's painful i mean it's in terms of you know the, the, even now with cypher the way we actually message and and, and position our, our the, the 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 actual um the actual platform we try and give them back time so they can focus on what they do best and that is creating the best you know the best creative that they possibly can and all these admin uh, manual tasks was, yeah it, it sort of it drains your energy even if you let's say you spend an hour on it it's not just the hour but it's the actual how much more tired are you after doing having to do all that you know what and it was also partially inspired by the success of zapier and i've got to tell you i've seen other people come up with businesses related to zapier but none like zyflow's first version we should say it's adjusted it's evolved beyond that um the most creative one that I saw was this company that said, why should anyone even leave your SaaS to go to Zapier to create a connection from your software to some other software? Why don't we just create a Zapier that software companies can integrate into their site? So you could imagine if, for example, um, MailChimp, instead of sending you away from MailChimp to Zapier to say that when someone fills out your 
your e- email account, they should also that actually, what is it? It would probably be from Typeform. Instead of Typeform saying when someone fills out your form, also sign them up to MailChimp. Instead of having to go to Zapier to do that, it should be within MailChimp. And so someone built that and that makes so much sense. Keep the customer there. Don't require them to pay a subscription fee somewhere else. Um, anyway, I feel like that whole area is is interesting, but it's hard to find something as powerful as, as Zapier itself, the software company that connects other software. Yeah, they they did very well. I mean, their, their SEO um, content engine is just what was, was amazing. Um, and the way they they got that market share, and it's it's a good solution. It's a really good um, application. So they they nailed it. But yeah, as you said, there's there are a lot of other um, uh, platforms that come up. So now you can integrate Zapier like uh, functionality into your SaaS platforms. There's quite a few of those. Um, oh, there are. I only saw one. It makes so much sense. Just have that whole functionality within your app. And now you're able to say whatever you want to do with our app and another app, you can do it. You don't even need a Zapier account. I wonder if yeah. Zapier will end up doing that too. I think they do allow that. Um, I have to check. So we we haven't been in the market for it because now we have what we call Zyflow Connect, which is the initial version of Zyflow. That's become our integrations platform. So um, it's been very, uh, it, we, we've had the advantage of developing that and now being able to integrate with any other application plus automating a whole bunch of, tasks for teams it's given us a, an advantage over you know, other other platforms in this space uh, built in okay so let's go back then to the early days of zyflow you found your idea you said we're going to do this you then launch a site or do you start getting customers first yeah so we started building um we did do some interviews with uh, people we know in the industry everyone was super keen and thought great idea um and then i remember we launched uh, so we, we built for a year. So we started uh, writing code beginning 2016, launched on the 1st or 2nd of January 2017. And it was very quiet. Um, it was that sort of that crickets moment. So just even yeah, the, said, was there a free version too? Yeah, yes, yeah, free and, and paid. Um, but <gasps> essentially, we realized there wasn't enough product. It was a feature. It wasn't a product. So uh, we realized that stage okay yeah we we need to add on and we we started doing that um how do you know that that it's just a feature first of all these customers that you're talking to that you had experience with you had credibility with you went and you talked to them before when it was time to launch how do you know that they that it wasn't enough for them were you talking to them is that what they said yeah i mean not, not not specifically saying it that way but you know as as you start showing them uh the the solution they start coming up with feature requests and oh, they say, okay, okay, but what if it could do this and that? Then, you know, then I'd be real or if it could solve this problem specifically. So um I, I would admit, I mean, we probably didn't do the best job in in figuring out the exact requirements initially. I mean, we we spent quite a bit of time in, you know, getting all the all the plumbing work um in place. And, you know, because uh, nowadays, I mean, if you want to launch a SaaS product, you need more product than you did back in Can 2008. You- can you be more specific? What was it that they were asking for that you didn't have? That they said, yeah, just, if you had this, then it would be really good. Yeah, so it was just more, um, you know, more integration. So we had Dropbox and Drive, and it was like, okay, uh, we use Box or we use OneDrive, right? And doing those, doing those, actual implementing those integrations were were a lot of work, much more than I thought or uh, than we expected. So it's very much like getting more cloud storage integrations and then more. Uh, features in terms of the automations and then 
they ended up saying, okay, we want to have some integrations. And that's where it sort of started overlapping with, with Zapier. And we were like, okay, hold on, you know, do we do that? Or yeah, where, 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 where do we go from here? How did you decide whether to do that or do something else? Yeah, I mean, so we spent, you know, it was about six months on um, and we were coming you know, to our to our no compete and that that expired um, in terms of after the uh, off, after the exit and we sat down and again had um, you know, had a meeting in London and had the team across and said okay what are we doing um, mm-hmm. and it, we, it wasn't specifically are yeah, we doing uh, this this feedback platform but what what is it that we're doing with with Zyflo? are we you know, stopping or doing something else and so how did you decide what to do. Yeah, it was again, um, you know, some ideas on the table, and yeah, I was still, I still said, hey, it's it's not too late to do the to do the backup idea, okay. <laughs> because we had this connect platform, which is great, uh, you know, can connect into SaaS apps and so on potentially, and we had a few others, and we looked at the market, and yeah, you know, as we had launched iFlow in that time, we had previous customers and even prospects through LinkedIn say, yeah, you know, they'd like to, you know buy um, an online proofing platform standalone, your know, proof HQ isn't there anymore. Can we recommend something? And we're looking because at it in the market. Because proof HQ was, had done what? Right now it's part of Adobe, right? Yeah, and part so, of Workfront. Okay. Yeah, right. Workfront, it's, yeah, proof HQ is Adobe Workfront. But mm. it was Workfront that, acqu- that acquired you and then Adobe acquired Workfront with uh, with you. And so even after the acquisition, was it now part of their software or what happened? Yeah, I mean, um, they they basically took this, you know, the, the website down after a couple of years and um, they had already integrated ProofHQ. Workfront was a partner of ProofHQ. So okay. um, the way uh, ProofHQ was designed was a little bit like we were just talking about, you know, embedding that, that, uh, that capability in another SaaS platform. With ProofHQ, you could do that. You can embed... Um, review and approval that feature and, and the viewer inside of any SaaS um, application and Workfront had done that. So okay. they were a really good partner of ours at the time. Well, was it after the acquisition, was it a standalone product anymore or no more? You could still use it standalone, but after a few years, you couldn't. I, th- I think, you know, they stopped selling it standalone. So you can, um, you know, they, they were uh, trying to get more people onto the Workfront platform, I think. Got it. And so that's why you were seeing old customers say, we want this, just make it standalone. We just want this one tool, not a suite of tools. Okay. And so was that a hard decision to come to and say, okay, we're going to do that? Uh, Yeah, very, very hard. I mean, obviously we didn't expect it. And it's it's hard. I mean, you have, um, you know, I still have good friends working at Workfront Adobe and, um, you know, couldn't have that discussion, you know, that we decided to to step back into this uh space mm-hmm. and i think yeah there, there would have been i think that that's why people probably don't do it is because they they might think yeah you are competing you know you're sort of taking a second bite uh you know um and you know it's maybe not fair or, or something like that um so yeah it was, it was a very hard decision to say yeah we are gonna do this but we were just looking at the market and there was no one who was was trying to solve this problem standalone and and specific specifically focusing on it did you check in with them and say is this okay if we jump in i mean legally you didn't need to did you feel like you had to no we didn't to be to be honest mm-hmm. um we did have conversations obviously post um you know coming coming into the market again but yeah it's not something we 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 discussed with them beforehand 
All right, let me take a moment and tell everyone about Masterworks. Do you know Masterworks, Anthony? Uh, I have not yet uh, dealt with them, no. It's one of the things that you notice when you start to read um, about really successful people is, yes, they continue to run their companies or invest in other companies, but often what they do is they start buying art. And then they'll buy art and they won't even have it up on their wall. They'll just have it stored somewhere. And the reason that they do that is because art just appreciates in value. If you think about assets that have survived the test of time, you will probably see something like a Van Gogh or a Banksy survive longer than you'll see, I don't know, definitely today's iPhone, but maybe even all of Apple because we see things that survive hundreds, thousands of years. Anyway, the problem with it is that as individuals, we have not been able to go and buy a Banksy, a Pablo Picasso. It's just too expensive. And you don't want to put all your investment in this one or two works of art. Well, in comes Masterworks. And what they do is they basically, they allow a group of people to come together and buy a work of art and then have an expert decide when the art should be sold, when it's at the top of the market and not just sell when you randomly want to. And they put this together and they've only had a buy invitation opportunity up on their site. And I talked to them and they said that they can make Masterworks available right now through a URL that they've given me. And I urge anyone who's at all interested in talking to their people and finding out you have no obligation, you just get on a call with them and see if it's a good fit for you, understand how it works, bring them all your most challenging questions, see what their track record is. And also see if it makes sense for you. And if it does, you can go in for a very small investment at a piece of the business. Like you never buy, you never buy Apple. You buy a stock, a share in Apple or multiple shares in Apple. Why should you have to buy a whole work of art? Buy shares in it. Buy shares in multiple works of art. Anyway, if you're at all curious about this, I urge you to go to masterworks.art slash mixergy. Masterworks.art slash mixergy. And they'll uh I don't know what I'm allowed to say about what they'll let you bypass because I don't have any like, anyway, listen, you're going to get through where other people don't. If you use that URL, I don't want to get them in trouble legally for what they're, what they're offering here, but they're going to get you through. Uh, and you don't have to use that invitation process that everyone else does go to masterworks.art slash mixergy and go investigate this. This is a really good addition to your portfolio. All right. I think I feel like you should do that. Although maybe at this point in your life, you want to buy the whole work of art and put it up on your wall. Have you done that? Uh, I've uh, got too much invested in Zyphalo, to be honest. So. Is that right? You put all your money into the business? or uh, Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I wouldn't say all our money, but yeah, we, 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 we sort of skipped the seed round. Um, okay. yeah, to, to be honest, I mean, when we started Zyphalo, we said, yeah, we're going to bootstrap again and, um, you know, going to see where we go to, but we, we bootstrapped the first few years. Um, so that, that, that was our plan initially, and then we sort of switched uh, okay. ta- tactics later Because? On. Um, it is, it, it is just more expensive to, to build a SaaS business, uh, today than it was say 10 years ago. Um, the, the cost is much higher and, um, and we don't want to sacrifice growth rate. Uh, we see the opportunity. So it's, it's, it's sort of, you're trying to balance, um, you know, do you, do you bootstrap? You can definitely do it, but there's the, the opportunity is, is there. So we, we want to grab it. I have noticed that over the years of doing Mixergy, people would have back 10 years ago accepted a product that wasn't fully baked, that was just a feature. And 
And so it was fine to just build a small product and take your time with it and then build it up. And then eventually the competition got so fierce that if you built just a small feature, there was someone else who built something way better and you would not get the attention. It became harder. And then at the other, on the other hand, raising money became a lot easier. There are more people who are investing on the side as angels. There are more funds investing. There are more incubators and accelerators and people pulling their money together. The opportunities to get money are bigger and the requests from customers are, are bigger too. Yeah, um, the the options and sources of funds for the last few years, I mean, it's been sort of been this golden era where interest rates are low. There's so much cash in, in the markets. Even, even though things are changing, I think it's going to get a little bit harder now um, in the next you know, few months and, and years with interest rates going going up. There's still a lot of funds out there. Um, it's just going to be a multiple, um, the, the actual multiples will, will change a little bit. But for people the- starting... Mm. You tell me if this is true. I also get the sense that there are people who invest in the stock market who say beyond a certain amount, I'm okay just taking some, I'm okay taking risk with a certain percentage of my portfolio. And when their overall number goes up to take a small percentage becomes suddenly significant and then they put it into companies as long shot bets. And so as the market goes up, it's, it's given people more opportunities to invest. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's why we have boom and bust, right? So as as the markets go up, people are willing to take more risk because you know you sort of get into that uh, sense that everything's always just going to go up. Um, but if if you look long term, uh, yeah, you 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 always hit hit the averages, um, and that that's the important thing. Have you, by the way, using a, a gamer mic, a microphone um, you from know gaming? What? Uh, it's actually it's actually i got this from my daughter ah <laughs> so she, i'm yeah, seeing like she, the lights change as we're talking I, know. I thought maybe you were moonlighting on twitch i have no idea how to change it so no no i'm i'm way too old for twitch and things like that so um <laughs> so yeah I don't know. You should see the people I see on, on Twitch. I watch recordings of chess dudes on Twitch, like or off Twitch on YouTube even. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There's massive audiences of people doing nothing but that. Um, have you invested beyond uh, your own business in other companies after you sold? Uh, so my co-founder has, um, he's done a few, few investments, uh, personally, you know, I've put everything behind Zyflow. So, you know, sort of got everything in it and, uh, all my times in it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, that same old saying, it's like, you know, always, always back yourself. Um, it is scary, uh, because yeah, I remember 2016, 17, 18, always said, okay, if next year's not a decent year. Yeah, we, we're going to have to figure out what we do and so on. But yeah, slowly but surely. It, it, it I was just listening grew. to the book, The Contrarian, about um, Peter Thiel. And it talked about how at the end of PayPal, Elon Musk had a bigger payout from PayPal than Peter Thiel, even though Peter Thiel was running the company because Peter Thiel and PayPal took on more money than X, the company that Elon Musk built that was then merged in. And because he used more of his own money to start the company, he had a bigger share. I thought that, I, I guess the book is getting a lot of negative reviews, but I thought it was fascinating to see what Peter Thiel did at the end to try to get more equity just before uh, they sold. It was a pretty interesting book. Um, all right. And so coming back to this, you said, I think Zyflow needs to adjust. Our customers are telling us something. You told our producer that, yes, you talked to customers before you built the original version of Zyflow with the Zybots and the automation and the workflows. 
but you want to have a different type of conversation now to know that if you build it, they will not just come, they will pay. What are the different conversations? How did you qualify what people are telling you so that you can actually use it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I actually don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the, some, uh, my, my company and myself, yeah, we, we sort of of, of the, uh, of the thinking that, you know, get something out there as soon as you can and get feedback. And I still think that's, that's the best way. Um, there are probably different ways to test it, but, you know, we still haven't found a, a better way of actually getting a product in someone's hands to say, okay, are you going to be willing to actually put your credit card in? Ah, and, so and you still had to say, they're telling us to build it. They're not committing to paying. We can't be sure that they will pay. We have to build this thing and then see if they'll pay. And sure enough, you built it and you did start getting early customers. Not a ton, but you got some. What was that first version that the first customer paid for? What could it do? No, so to be honest, our first revenue was actually only at the end of 2017 when we launched with the feedback um, part. So. Yeah. Uh, our original That's what version. I mean. What what did that mm. feedback do? What exactly were the features yeah. that were in it? Literally, you could upload um, some static files, PDFs, images, and you could provide comment. You could share it and and comment on it. So that, Just that PDF was images, call. no video, no video, no audio, no no websites or banners. So it's just static. Yeah. Wow, there was a need for someone to be able to comment on a PDF. It is still, I mean, in terms of volume, PDFs are still the most popular uh, asset type that is is shared within Zyflow. I wouldn't have uh, thought. Merely because yeah, yeah, to, to actually create that is probably a little bit quicker than a video. Video is a lot more work and a lot more time consuming. But in terms of volume, yeah, uh, PDFs, you know, I'd, I'd hazard a guess, probably a good 70% of the asset types being uploaded and shared. What type of people are using it? Is it for contracts, something else? Uh, so yeah, people would actually export their designs also to PDF format. So you know, it's it's a great format to actually export anything. Packaging designs, I um, mean, you know, it's great because you know it'll it incorporates um, you know all of the uh, uh, all of your right. uh, colors and layers and so on. So it's a great way uh, for people to export anything. But yeah, it could be documents, etc. Yeah, right. And I think doesn't PDF have a native commenting feature? It does, mm-hmm. right? But it's stinky it because. I think every software handles it different and they all, for some reason, seem to like a version of a small icon of a post-it note that you have to see and then expand out and then you have just really bad experience with. That seems right. That's correct. Yeah. So that, that's the thing we see is that there's no, you know, all, so when you, when you're providing feedback, you need all these different tools. So if you get a PDF, you have Acrobat. If you have video, you email it back or Slack or Teams message it back because there's not really any way for them to provide comments on. And then websites, again, same issue. So I've got all these different tools. But yeah, it's it's very it's very basic in terms of how you can provide feedback in some of this. And then the big thing is there's no workflow. So if one group's reviewed it and let's say they approve it, moving it to the next team, it's a manual process. So that's where, you know, Cypher comes in. Ah, okay. You know what? I, I've noticed that Google Docs just now recently started to add some workflow and approval steps yeah. within their their docs, you know, this the, the yeah. Microsoft Word alternative. And so you had that back then in the first version? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we did. Got it. So I can upload a PDF 
and then say, if me and uh, the, the lawyer agree that this makes sense, then we forward it over to the CEO. And if the CEO likes it, then we could take the next step with it. And meanwhile, throughout the process, everyone sees the comments that have gone into it and can respond Correct. to comments. Correct. Yeah. So everyone sees the comments and you, you can involve people where you need them. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, the other thing is the version uh, version control and management. So you can upload your version too. The big, you know, one of the other um, uh, parts of the process that takes a lot of time is actually comparing version two with version right. one. Right. Have have the comments been, been implemented? Um, so we have like auto compare and you can you know, tick off the, the comments and so on as they've been resolved. You know, as far as I can tell, DocuSign still doesn't do that. If you ask for a change, often both documents sit in your inbox unless the other person is smart enough to know or pays enough attention to go and cancel the other one. And then there's still not an easy way to say, this is all part of the same thing. We're signing the last one. If you want to see what happened before, you can see it, but we don't need 50 different emails and 50 different URLs for every part of this process. Yeah, and it's it's you know, so we have this uh, we have um feedback from from customers where they say, "Hey, can you provide, you know, the the option of us actually signing on yeah. documents like DocuSign?" And it, it's one of those where we say, "Okay, we we're not going to do it because it's not core, uh, maybe one day, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say no to some of these uh, feature requests." Right, because you're saying we do not want to turn into a document signing process where the document collaboration and feedback company yeah, we there's so much so much innovation left in the space that yeah we just we just want to focus on this because um, I think as soon as you get dragged into that, and we saw that we saw that with some of our our, our competition back in you know with with PreFetchQ where they they got into project management didn't execute well on it and you know, we sort of outgrew them just focusing on this one problem. So yeah, it is. You know, the age old thing like yeah, solve one problem, solve it really well. Uh, but if you do go across, um, you know, different feature sets, you know, you really have to execute on that. Okay, I can see that. Um, all right, and so you got your first customer. How did it? How did it go for them? Yeah, so this is the funny story. So, um, so October fifth or sixth or seventh, we launched. And uh, about a week later, someone signed up uh, with with their credit card. It was great. We we're like. Okay, we are, you know, we we've got this going, and no other signups for October and then November. They actually quit. They churned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like okay, fine, you know, we'll, we'll take it on the chin. November we got another sign up, and no, no other signups in November and December. They churned. So after two months, we had you know two <laughs> two customers and hundred percent churn. Uh, so it was a little bit concerning at the time, but yeah, December it started you know, getting better and more signups. And how'd you deal with that? Th- Only one customer that first month. The customer churns. Another one comes in, they churn. I mean, seriously, if you you're you're now looking in retrospect, and it's kind of a charming part of the story. But at the time, what did you do to not doubt yourself? To not say we tried and then we tried again, it still didn't work. Other people are hitting it so much faster. This is just a failure. I'm a failure. How'd you not do that? Yeah, oddly enough, you know, it was that 2016-17 was, I think it was um, probably mentally easier than it is actually now, um, you know, because you didn't have a growth rate you need to try and compound on. So, you know, there's there's no revenue, your, there's no year-on-year growth rate you need to look at. And we had the sort of the bigger picture uh, in mind. So we weren't too concerned um, with Because it. you were just wandering around looking for an idea. This was just that wander, try to figure it out stage? 
Well, I think when we decided to get back into to the whole uh, feedback, you know, solving this feedback problem, we we you know that that's where we had a clear vision of where we want to get to. So and that, that was going to be a multi-year sort of you know execution and and on on the development side. So we knew the product. You know, we only had we only sold for static. Uh, files at that point we knew there was video and and web etc to do so i wasn't too worried at the time in december we had three customers and they didn't churn and and it started rolling pretty quickly how did you know that this was working it wasn't at the stage when you had three customers was it no um i'd probably say so 2018 was was decent uh you know signups and growth and then when in 2019 we had about a 3x growth, um, you know that's where you sort of know okay, there's there's definitely market out there, um, you know, and and we're growing at a decent decent rate. Yeah, you know, this is this is working for where for did the they stage. Come from? Yeah, I mean it was uh, yeah you know, again organic, uh, really uh, focused on 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 SEO and then paid ads, um, Google ads and so on, uh, and then. Probably through our network a little bit, but yeah, I'd say mostly it was was organic people reaching us directly at, at that time. Were you in charge of the marketing and and SEO? No, so we had a we uh, so one of our uh, um, Mike who was part of our team at, at PrevHQ towards the end, he actually joined us quite early on at SciFlow. So that's one thing I'd probably say. I mean, our first hire was uh, was. Uh, our yeah, it was UX and was uh, was an internal recruiter, and then um, you know apart from the engineers, we also then hired Mike um, as our as our CMO. So yeah, getting marketing in, in early, I think, is is vital. And he was a person who was in charge of creating articles for you and getting you on other sites. Yeah, yeah, just generally you know the, the blogs, the the content, etc. Yeah. I do see it. I'm on uh, SEMrush looking up what sends traffic to you and where where it's coming from, and I could see, um, I could see how it's it's more it's both on your site and it's on other sites too, like articles on HubSpot and so on that are that are linking over to you, and that's all him in, being in charge of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's our marketing team. I mean, he's he's since left, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh, we we still have that 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 engine going. It's it's really key part. I mean, I think organic is where you get most of your. Yeah, it's it's where you get the the lowest cost leads still. How much of an interest do you take in that? Is it something that you stay uh, on top of on a regular basis, or in the beginning you did? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I still still take part part in that. I still work very closely. I mean, it, it all filters down into your, uh, you know, into into the actual efficiency of the business, and you know, you you don't want to spend too many dollars on on acquiring customers. So keeping that that rate down is is important. You know, at every part of um, of of, of uh, growing. What about integrations? I see that there are a lot of search results that have to do with Monday or Dropbox that feed traffic to you, in addition to writing articles about them. Do you also integrate with them and get traffic that way? Yeah, we do, and we actually uh, also close deals with them. Um, so you know, we we do joint um, you know deals where they have some of this capability, uh, but it's slightly you know, it's not as as advanced as we have. So if they get into deals that need uh, you know the workflow, etc., then you know, we'll, we'll go and join with deals. But, ah, so their yeah. salespeople will bring you in and help the customer see that they could do the they could do the project management they're looking for on Monday. And then by working with Zyflow, they get all the um, approvals and feedback that they need. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great, you know, another good, um, you know, source of, of leads for us um, doing these integrations, but also it's not just that. I mean, I'd say more than 50% of our, our customer base has some sort of integration, whether it's within, you know, that, those, uh, you know, within those creative tools or within project management systems, Dropbox, et cetera. Fifty percent more have integrations that so that's that's a key part in solving. I mean, the your customers aren't using you as a standalone, even though they could. They're using you as part of another piece of software that you integrate in with. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. I should say second sponsor is Lemon. If you're out there hiring developers, I've got a great company for you to talk to. Lemon.io. They'll find inexpensive developers who are phenomenal, and within 24 hours, they could put you in touch with someone who's great. If you don't love them, don't hire. If you do love them, keep working. And by the way, if you're not happy, they'll take good care of you and help you switch them out and get a great developer experience. If you're looking to hire right now, you'll get a, dis- a discount beyond their already low prices if you go to Lemon.io/Mixergy. Lemon.io/Mixergy. A good friend who's now uh, connected with me for a long time, and I'm proud to say that he's also a sponsor. Thank you, Lemon. Go check them out, people. All right, one of the problems that now exists is, yes, it's easier to raise money. It's harder to hire people. How have you Indeed done that is, beyond yeah. going back to your old friends? What did you do? Yeah, so we have an internal team uh, that helps us you know, find um, you know, the, the best people. But it is, it's definitely, it is, it is challenging. I think there's, there's two parts. It's, it's finding the right and the best people. And it's also then retaining, um, you know, team members so yeah but it's it's definitely way more challenging now than it's been in yeah i think in in the last 20 years um, is that that why you're doing this interview is this like a way to let people know who you are what you're about and have them consider coming working with you uh no uh that's that's not (laughs) well actually yeah i mean if, if it if it helps yeah by all means um no i think i think with 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 anyone um you know you'd love to you know we we love to solve a problem for for our customers, and you know the the more people that can know about Zyflow, the better. I mean, it's amazing. We we've been doing solving this problem for the last uh, thirteen years now, fourteen years, and most of the people we speak to say to us they don't know they didn't even know a solution like this existed. It is just it's 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 amazing. It does seem to fall into those buckets of a problem I'm having that I don't realize and I don't think there's a solution. And even if I did, I wouldn't know exactly how to look for it and what to search for. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that the um, the freelance marketplaces aren't finding a way to integrate this and and keep more of the conversation on their platform. Right now, people are often just exchanging uh, links to Dropbox and to Google Drive and that just doesn't seem like the right way to interact. Yeah, and it, it, it solves, yeah, and they and they solve the problem for if you have, you know, one or two people involved in the feedback process. But as soon as you work in, in a team environment, you know, any even a small agency, um, they would they would create this artwork. They'll have an internal review process, then it goes to maybe the client team, and then if the client team approves it, that then goes to the customer. And they internally have multiple review steps. So most of them solve the, the, the issue of like, okay, I can put comments on a video or on, on a document, but they don't actually solve the whole problem from how do I move this document through the actual, or this, this asset through the uh, approval process. How did you know this was an issue? Like I'm looking back, even going back to 2010, I think is when you lot, where you were a part of Proof HQ. 
How did you, how did your co-founder realize this is a problem, the world has it, and we're going to solve it? He, so he started uh, Prefetchy back in 20, 2007, and he initially uh, did a did a consulting uh, project with uh, with Warner Brothers, who had this problem. But honestly, at the time, we just thought it's going to be designers, thousands of individual designers signing up with their credit cards and using PrefetchKey to share their artwork with a customer to provide feedback. But within you know, 12 months, uh, we we sort of saw all these companies, uh, large organizations and, and agencies sign up and, and talk about this workflow issue they have. And that's where where Workflow came up. And we only launched that, I think, in 2012. It took us quite some time to develop that. And that's where it really, we started understanding the, the, the broader problem. It's not just workflow. I mean, there's all these different things around it. But yeah, that's, um, yeah, as we got into larger teams, we sort of saw the problem more clearly. So I'm trying to figure out what I take away from this. You've clearly had success here in the space. I want to know how, like if you look back, if you're going to tell your kid, your daughter with the microphone, say, I want to show you how to do this if you want to do it. How would you help her figure out what idea to pursue and then how to how to find the right customers, how to pivot with them properly? What's the advice that you that you'd pass based on what you've done? Yeah, so I was never the ideas person. Uh, I, you know, my whole life I was always like, you know, I, I want to start a company. I want to be, you know, I, I want to, I want to be a founder, etc. Solve a problem, and I could never figure out an idea. And I think you sort of. What what happens, and I don't know if it happens to to other people, but what happened to me is like you feel like you need to solve a really big problem to make it successful. And what I realized doing this a second time around is that just start by solving a really small problem, as small as you can, and start getting feedback. And you know, as soon as you show someone a product or, or some or some concept, you get the feedback. It, it starts it starts unearthing other big issues I have. So now I've got like, for the first time in my life, I've got this whole list of ideas I'd like to, I'd like to uh, implement, but obviously too busy with Zyflow. But, you know, now I, 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 so you start seeing it more clearly. Don't, don't try and solve too big a problem. Just, just focus on something small initially. Finding a small problem, see if it solves it. I'm seeing, I'm sensing also going back and making sure the customers are willing to pay for it is important to you considering what happened in the beginning of Zyflow. All right. And then some of the ideas that you have, is there one that you'd throw away that you know for sure you're not pursuing, but you'd love to see somebody go and pursue? Uh, yeah, backing up. <laughs> I still think you there's, think backup still is still an problem. issue. I think I think it's a big problem. It's, it's like uh, it's a bit like security. I mean, there's so many different opportunities in, in, in that in that area. But um, I think there's still, you know, for, for me, I still think, you know, getting a good SaaS product off the ground. I mean, there's this like I said, there's all this like sort of um, sort of all this uh, base or, or plumbing work you need to do. And, you know, one of the, I mean, I'll probably put it out there. It's, it's one of the ideas I'd like to execute on still, but I'll, I'll, I'll set it in any case. But, you know, I, I look at folders and um, workspaces and you think every single app has some sort of form of a folder structure or project structure with sub folders, sub projects, mm-hmm. et cetera. And we all develop that. And actually, we spend a good year at Zyflow making sure that it's scalable, it's quick. It, you know, we you can have thousands and thousands of folders and subfolders. Mm-hmm. And doing that at scale is hard. And so we, you, know, you almost have someone full time on it. So on want to make that a product. systems. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah it's just, just by the SaaS product. So, you know, you, you have like Auth0 for identity management. So why not have that for other parts of applications that it's, it's semi-core, but it's not like, you know, everyone has some sort of folder structure. So why not have that as, as a, as a SaaS solution? And then you can have settings at the, at the workspace level uh, that could either be projects or, or dashboards or boards or whatever you want to call it. And so provide that to software makers as a way of keeping both the folder structure and the folder permissions. Correct. Yeah. And, and settings. So, you know, you could make that, um, you know, so, so it's customizable, so it can have any settings they want sharing, you know, switch it on off. And it, I think you could, I think you could build some sort of business out of it, whether it's a hundred million business, don't know, but you know, as a start, I think, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, one of the things you've learned is it doesn't have to be a hundred million dollar opportunity in the beginning. It just needs to be a problem. That's a real problem. All right. And the other one yeah. for, for backup, backing up data, you know what I have to tell you? I thought when SaaS was starting to become a thing that that when I saw Dharmesh Shah, I think, invested in Backupify, this thing that was going to back up all your online stuff, that that was going to be a huge winner. I don't, I'm still a customer of Backupify. It's been like 10 years. I pay them a few bucks a month. I don't think I'm ever going to lose my Google Drive data and Google Drive is backing up. And so in that case, it didn't really work out. The analogy of take what worked in the offline desktop world to online Back up the way that they did it didn't seem to be an answer. What are you seeing as as a problem? The way that you described it earlier about how within your project management software, they probably don't have the revision history that you're looking for. Let's do that. What else do you see in the backup space that's not working? Yeah, I think it's it, as soon as you head into any industry that's some some sort of compliance around it or yeah, you, you need a, a very clear audit trail of what's happened and what's changed. Uh, and maybe that's that's the other uh, solution is, you know, with the whole workspace uh, piece, you have something that plugs into your SaaS product and just gives you a full audit trail of what's happening. Because uh, uh. we have uh, customers in finance and healthcare, et cetera, that need a very, very clear audit trail of who's uh, made what comment approval, but also what changes have happened on, on the actual data that you've got in your, your, your system. So, yeah. Got it. So like an, an auto trail for the software that's uh, that's there. All right. It's a grain of the idea. I think if I just call it simple backup, I'm not, not fully understanding the problem. But as you're describing it, I get it. All right. The website is Zyflow. How'd you come up with the name Zyflow? I understand the flow part of it is from like this process that flows where one step flows to the next. Where's the Zy, the Zi come from? We looked for a domain that's available to be <laughs> very technical about it. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. It's Z-I-F-L-O-W.com. And of course, I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're looking to hire developers, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. And the second, if you're ready to consider investing in art, I want you to go and check out masterworks.art slash Mixergy. You've heard a lot about them in the startup space. I think it's worth a phone call and their people are amazing at describing what's going on. And if it's not a good fit, there's no pushing. If it's a great fit, you can start with a small investment, investing in art that you believe in, that you know is, or that you get excited about. And uh, frankly, that their expert pickers are picking right now. Go to masterworks.art slash Mixergy. Anthony, thanks so much for being on here. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs>